Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. Sponsored by Bruiser, the UK's top-rated craft beer subscription service. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Bayonet Brewing Co, Dolphin Brewery, The Paper Mill Micropub, Berkshire Beer Box, The Small Batch Brewing Co, Belgian Brew Southampton, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, James Moss, The Brew Brothers, Paul Whelan, Bettina Cassidy, Vaux Brewery, Claire Costa, James Cox and Craig Hatton. This Week in Craft Beer members can now get exclusive discounts and savings at some of the top UK craft breweries. If you're interested in saving money or simply want to help support us, then please visit our website at www.thisweekincraft.beer for more information and to join at just £1.99 per month. We hope you won't, but of course you can cancel this at any time. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening Joe from Firebrand Brewing based in Launceston in Cornwall. Firebrand was launched in 2008 in a converted milking parlour on the untamed edge of Bodmin Moor in North Cornwall. The focus is their passion for beer made from all natural ingredients, Cornish spring water and American hops. Joe, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching Firebrand Brewing. Uh, yeah, well, my name is Joe, Joe Thompson. So there's the beer journey, as you said, we started in 2008. So I was very young at the time. I was only 21 at the time. So my beer journey was quite short to the point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, really into beer at the time. It was all real ale back there. This is sort of not pre-craft beer, but pre the craft beer. Boom. Yeah, probably pre-UK um, craft beer anyway, that's for sure. There's yeah, exactly. some American think, around, yeah. Exactly. I think Punk IPA was what, 2007-ish. So, you yeah. know, and that, so it was all that sort of era. Yeah, so basically I was working in a local pub. I was doing a degree in uh, marine microbiology, which was good. But, yep. you know, I convinced the local that it was a good idea to back me doing a brewery instead. And so oh, uh, nice. I ditched the uh, degree and did the brewery instead, uh, which was good fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he basically had this farm. He just bought this farm, which had this old milking parlor in it that wasn't going to be used and they weren't going to be using it for milking. Mm-hmm. And said, so if I came up with a proper business plan, he'd back it. Brilliant. Uh, at the time. So, yeah, we went ahead. Got the old David Porter kit that ninety percent of small breweries start with. Absolutely, yeah. I've had a few conversations on this podcast that started with the Dave Porter kit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and to be fair, it did a good job. It that we used that kit. You know, it's very no frills, but it, we used that kit till twenty twenty. So oh wow, I mean, okay, did, yeah. Did a fair few thousand brews on that kit. Uh, benefit of being simple, there's not a lot to go wrong. So I started two thousand eight. You were brewing cask only, were you? Yeah, so we started cask only, uh, did bottles quite quickly, all bottle conditioned on a hand yep. filler thing, which yep. was tedious. But Labor of love, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we started off very traditional and then um, we sort of trundled along for the next few years. And then we sort of started changing sort of a few years after that, 2011, 2012, maybe. I was sort of more into craft beer, I guess, right. there, rather than traditional oil. So as my taste changed. I sort of wanted to brew the kind of beer that I wanted to drink. So we Oh definitely, you know, and at that stage you already had uh, the the Colonel in London. So, uh, I'm trying to think who else twenty twelve would have been um uh, London Fields, I guess, uh, Camden. Yeah, Thornbridge um, Jiper IPA was big. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, I mean it's all sorts of things. And just trying and getting more imported stuff. So even trying Sierra Nevada stuff, you know, start 
trying to get all bits and pieces coming over and just wanted to brew those sort of beers that we were drinking uh, and you know my taste but just moved away from your doom bars and your ales and that yeah sort so, of so stuff. you started just to mix in an occasional american ipa brew into exactly. your into your brewing schedule did you exactly that yeah and whenever we did new beers they tended to be a lot hoppier than the old ones you can okay. sort of really tell in the recipes how did you find that going down in 2012 was that that was a bit of a shock to the locals wasn't it a little bit. So when we started the uh, the brewery, we were as Pampont breweries. So we started with a different name. It was a much more traditional brewery. Okay, right, and right. At the time, so then we started brewing these sort of dry hop, much hoppier beers. And we found that these really more, much more modern beers weren't very suited to the traditional branding of uh, no. Pampont Brewery. So basically, we created Firebrand Brewing at that point. Right. Which was around, I think it was around 2012, something like that. Right. And we... This, so basically, we could sell our modern beers under a modern branding, and but keep the traditional ones separate. Which makes absolute sense, yeah. And, and, and several brewers have done that very successfully in the UK in the last few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It made some sense, and it made sense at the time. But I'm not in the long term. I'm not sure it was a great idea. Okay. We muddled along. We did muddle along, but it it did confuse the customers. They, you know, they didn't quite know who we were. Were we Penpont? Were we Firebrand? Yeah, you know, um, and that's how we would start about our contract brewing. And it's like, no, we all brew it. We just have two different brands. But yeah. Um, but we, to be fair, we modelled along with both brands until very recently, 2020-ish. And then we finally okay. basically folded Penpont into Firebrand. Yep. And so they basically brought it all under one roof. And it, cause at the time, it was sort of like, if we're going to brew traditional ales, we want to be as proud of them as we are of our modern stuff yeah. as well. So whatever we brew, we want to brew it to the top quality that we can. That makes so sense. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And Firebrand is just one. You don't want to be apologising for, for any beer you're producing, do you? Know, making any sense at all. So... Uh... No, it doesn't. And we sort of almost felt like we were a little bit, or at least maybe it was in my own head, but it felt like that. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so we got to a point about, yeah, 2020, and we sort of decided to stick or twist a little bit. Yeah. We'd been muddling along at a similar sort of size, and we decided to sort of have a look for some investment, mm-hmm. um, which came along, found some, a really good partner to work with. And so we're going to move. So we moved into Launceston, which is our local town. Uh, right. It's still a small town. It's, you know, 8,000 people or something. So it's hardly a metropolis. But it's not <laughs> quite Hound of the Baskervilles territory like the original brewery was. No, it? quite, quite. It wasn't 200 <laughs> yards off the nearest road, which the previous one was. Was it really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was like a track and all sorts. It was just very scenic, but not very useful yeah. for deliveries. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, we started looking for this new premises where we knew we wanted a tap room. We knew we wanted scope to grow. Oh, and we yeah. found this really good site where we are now. It had a mezzanine, which already had a cafe on it, actually. So, oh, fabulous. Yeah, we convert that to a bar. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so big windows. That overlook. It was actually a soft play before, so oh, previous okay. people yeah. had it so you could watch the kids while having a coffee. Yeah, so. Perfect, yeah. In fact, I, I, it, now that you've described it like that, I'm surprised that there haven't been more soft play conversions to breweries. Maybe they have, I just haven't heard of them, but it sounds sounds like the perfect starting point. It was. There was a, there was a lot of uh, comments that we should have kept the soft play equipment and just added the bar. That was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was great. So yeah, so we moved, obviously, post-COVID. I think we ended up moving in 2021. Okay, yeah. Um, so it ended up all stretching out with COVID and all the rest of it. Of course, yeah. But yeah, so and that's, it's been a really good couple of years. COVID was a huge thing changed for us, really. So we were doing, you know, short batches of different beers, but COVID and the online sort of boom that f- sort of went along with that it's yep. the first time we'd really connected with customers properly yeah because before we'd always sold to trade yeah and always sold to trade and actually you know we weren't because we're not marketing geniuses our connection to people very wasn't few, great. Uh, very <laughs> few brewers start out as marketing geniuses <laughs> no, i haven't gained it <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
but the one good thing with it was we could we were selling online for the first time we were selling yeah. a decent amount online and directly communicating with customers yep. the end user for the first time um and so that was yeah that was a really interesting sort of development and as it moved forward doing all of these limited batches which have now sort of faded off again but doing lots of these sort of i guess craftier oh yeah for want of a better yep. word lots of IPA, double ipas you know all that sort of thing which is interesting it's great to do it's great fun Oh, absolutely! Yeah, from a brewer's perspective, that's that's what you want to be doing, isn't it? Did did you uh, you got new kit for the new building, or did you did you move the did you uh, upgrade the kit earlier? Uh, yeah, we so we got new kit. We picked some up at auction. So this new sort of two thousand liter brewery, nice or two thousand yeah. two hundred. We can stretch. Yeah. So yeah, steam fired. It came with some new vessels, but then we bought another six new fermenting and conditioning vessels as well. Oh, fantastic! At mm-hmm. the same time, and so we sort of basically ditched almost all the old kit apart from a couple of decent fermenters we had right and moved a lot of stock into the new building with a new brewery which is great sort of doubled our capacity and it's been a yeah and then since then it's it's been a really good progression from there we actually bring a lot less limited batch than we used to we're sort of focusing on some more core beers really but that's partly just the demand of the market i think the market has changed you know. I think it has as well, yeah. And I don't necessarily it doesn't necessarily please me, but I, I I've sort of come to terms with it. I think it, you know I used to be I'm very much a a new beer every time merchant if I can get away with it. But you know I do understand the economics of it and the importance of having some consistency and products that customers can recognise and and come back to. And I think there needs to be a balance. I hope you know I, I do want to still see brewers doing new beers, but I do recognise and respect the need for a core range as well. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I mean, we, we've always been on like the more accessible end of craft. You know, we, right. we've never been the, the truly mental stuff, really. Um, we've always been sort of accessible craft, like slightly beyond your, you know, your bog standard amber beers. But, you know, we've never been mad either. Sort no. of thing. To be fair, I think it's there is a progression potentially in the market from people beer as a hobby where you want to taste every sip and yep. talk about it, which I know we're on a podcast. That's where I'm stuck, I'm afraid. Probably for life. I'm always going to be at that end of the spectrum, yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> but I think there is there is something moving, yeah. Maybe it's not moving past, moving sideways to where a beer is. Yeah, it's it's the the, the drink you have at the end of a busy week. It's the drink. Yeah, you know, it settles it, back in its traditional role in in life a bit, and I I can understand that. Yeah, but I at understand. a higher level. I, yeah, oh, at yeah, a higher yeah. level. I think we're at a stage now where your everyday beer is it is hoppier, it is interesting. It's if much better than it was it. a decade ago, no doubt. Yeah, well, certainly much better than it was twenty years ago, but by a very large margin. Yeah, I mean, if you compare like a session IPA now to what Green King IPA oh, twenty no. years ago, you know, no, I mean, no whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah good progressed. point. I, I think we can safely say oh, we definitely have. Yeah, yeah. So how you know you? Let's talk about your beer range. In so how many you know how many cores you got, and and how often are you brewing specials? Uh, well, we've got still got too many cores because it's like killing babies, isn't it? You can't, yeah, can't get rid of it. Is, yeah. <laughs> so you, well, probably not quite that bad. No, well, <laughs> um, but we've, I think we've still got about eight core beers. Okay. Um, a huge percentage of our sales are sort of the top four or five. Right. And, yeah. Uh, across, I mean, we still do keg, cask, can. Yeah. We ditched the bottle completely when we got a canning line a couple of years ago. Okay. We don't keg everything. Okay. Some of our bits are very much specifically. Yeah, the design for cask and I don't Oh yeah, think... I was gonna say that's that would surprise me if that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a couple of beers we do on all three, and even those I think we're gonna move away from after this summer. Okay. Uh, so that you know, you design beers for cask or you design beer for keg. I don't think there's a lot of beers where the crossover is that great. No. So we're I think gonna progress after the summer to bring in a couple of new parallels, 
Courtney Pellel and an IPA rather. They'll just be keg and can. And then right. the ones we currently do in all three formats will drop the keg off those. Yes. Keep the casks, the casks going great. And they do they do sell, but I personally feel we can brew a better beer for keg. I bet you can, yeah. So, so what percentage of your output is cask as opposed to can stroke keg? We're probably around 50%. Well, no, probably less than that now because our lager is going such great guns. We're probably now at about 40% cask with our right. keg, then maybe 30 or 40% and the remainder being can. Okay. Yeah, our lager's yeah really taken off, and without us really pushing it, it's just, which is great. It's a properly brewed lager. We're very proud of it, and it's sort of it's a Hell's style, but yep. you know with a bit of modern hops, lots of cascade in it. Nice. So we're really pleased with how that's going, but it's uh, it has put pressure on the production. So obviously, lager takes so much longer than I it think does. Yeah, and and is that reflected in your own tap room as well? Would that would that be forty percent cask sales, or are you selling mostly keg out of the tap? In the tap room, it's ninety percent keg. Is it? You know, yeah. It's yeah. Um, but you would have a cask beer or two on, would you as well? Or we do out of principle. That I feel we should. But we do go through a little bit of cask. But by far the the mainstay of it is keg. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you yeah. know, you've got a, obviously a fairly traditional market in in Cornwall, but even still, I think people come into your tap room going to going to want to drink keg beers, aren't they? They are absolutely. And like the tap room serves. It's quite nice because is a really small town, so they look the. Taproom forms a really nice purpose as a as a venue for people. So we have a lot of live music, oh, live gigs, DJ nights, all sorts of things. You know, talks. Are you the only? Um, are you are you the only craft beer game in town as far as bar is concerned, or is is there anywhere else that, that people can get a craft beer? Uh, certainly, the only craft beer place. There's a nice traditional pub in town that does really good car scale, but yeah, and certainly no one else doing keg, pale ales, nice. or IPAs or anything. No, it's, no. Uh, yeah. Launceston's not exactly hitting the 21st century hard yet. <laughs> so the charms of Cornwall, don't knock it. No, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, so, so what are your, your tap room? How many how many nights a week are you open? Uh, three, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. We've, we've just started opening for lunches on Thursdays and Fridays as well. Nice. On a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is, it, is it quite seasonal or is it does it is it mostly, you know, you get a decent footfall even in the winter? We get good footfall in the winter. We get really good local support. So you get different people in the summer, basically. The, the, the actual footfall is about the same. Okay. But in win, winter, it's all locals. And in summer, we get less locals because they're off doing, you know, barbecues or whatever. Yeah. And then, But then, obviously, you do get the tourists footfall. Oh, yeah. So you end up roughly averages out over the year to pretty decent trade. Good. Excellent. Joe, let's talk about this first beer. This yeah. is... By the time this publishes this, I should know this off the top of my head. It's going to be episode 160-odd of this podcast. And um, this is only the third alcohol-free beer that's ever featured. So you can tell I don't have them on very often. (laughs) Um, This this is your Shore Break, 0.5% non-alcoholic pale. And the tasting notes say alcohol-free and full of hoppy flavour. Shore Break provides everything we like in a hazy pale but without the hangover. Brewed with Simcoe, Citra, and Cascade. It's super smooth and light with tons of tropical flavour. Um, yeah, so I've I've got a few thoughts about alcohol-free beers, <laughs> as I mentioned to you before we started recording. So let me start by saying I fully understand and respect the importance of the sector or subsector, whatever you want to call it, of, of beer. Um, you know, there is a very significant health lobby, if you like, against alcohol, and we all no doubt drink far too much. I class myself in that category and there's definitely a place for a beer where you don't you know the alcohol is not appropriate whether it be because you're driving or because you've got to go back to work or because 
whatever you know you you just don't want to subject yourself to as much alcohol as, as we're consuming so so i really under, you know i understand and respect the, the the importance of the sector and the fact that it is it's very high growth isn't it probably by far the highest subsector of of craft beer or beer in general and i'm sure i should you know probably have better words to describe it than that but you know what i'm saying <laughs> and this actually is tasty than i was expecting so i'm i'm quite relatively down on alcohol free beers i think there's there's a, an element of sort of emperor's new clothes about them i think people you know are, are predisposed to bigging them up and saying oh well you know this is this is great this is like a like a beer and i couldn't tell the difference and i you know I, i've yet to drink a an af beer that i couldn't tell the difference between that and a you know a four or five percent version of it but you know having said all of that this has got a lovely aroma to it and it's got decent flavor as well so you know you can absolutely taste the hops it looks the part it smells superb um, and it drinks well, so you know this. This is definitely one of the nicer AF beers I've ever had. I haven't, and again, I've, you know, I should preface that by saying I don't drink very many of them. <laughs> but um, I'm curious to get a bit of background from you on this because you know most small craft brewers don't have an AF beer. They've kind of left it to the the big guys to get on with that, you know. And, and there's obviously a different degree of expertise or, or process required to brew a good AF beer compared to a you know regular pale. Um, so yeah, give, give me the background to why you brewed this, and you know what your thoughts are on it, and you know how important it is to Firebrand. Yeah, well, we we looked at we started looking at this oh, probably about eighteen months ago, mm-hmm. and it's partly just uh, really me wanting to drink a bit less, bit less beer in the week. I know. Um, tell me about it. Yeah, I sort of you know da- down well downside and upside upside to having a brewery is that I've basically had unlimited beer now, for, you know, for fifteen years. Yeah, and that's not great in some ways oh no, you know in another 15 years from now you probably don't want to be drinking at, at, at those extreme levels do you and so yeah it's, it gets to the point where you don't want to be you want to be around beer but you don't want to be consuming as much as as perhaps you were exactly that so sort of uh, there was a bit of a health thing not that i'd ever got that big or anything but sort of heading towards mid 30s late 30s it was mm-hmm. like i'd look after myself a little bit better and anyway so i was trying to basically do the traditional cut alcohol beer out sort of midweek and was drinking some alcohol free beers from other breweries and it was a slightly irritating just buying other people's beer oh yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially when it wasn't that great buying alcohol free beer from the supermarket it's like i think i can do better than this and, um, and paying retail prices when you know damn well they haven't paid the duty on it so it's you know it shouldn't be shouldn't be priced at the same level you know if you want to take that perspective but <laughs> exactly i mean there's all those elements to it and so that, to be honest, that was the main thing. And the sort of the economics of it came a bit later, really. It was like, actually, there is a market for this. And oh, yeah. Particularly not necessarily what I expected. It was more people like me who are beer drinkers. You know, they're not teetotal. They're beer drinkers okay. who just, for whatever reason, often driving, restaurant, meal out, you know, yeah. cutting down booze midweek, that sort of thing. It's nearly everyone I speak to who's, who likes it and has contacted me. And we get more comments back and more feedback from this beer than any of our other beers which do is you that's interesting slightly, yeah. slightly, slightly irritating in some ways but it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a not you know not 10 years ago where i'd pictured you know us being known for to be honest but no um, obviously i'm very pleased with it but it's yeah so that's that was the starting point and obviously i wanted a beer that tastes like i i, I want i tried ones that other people had called hazy pails and to be mm. honest most of them just weren't they were fairly pale imitations i thought of what a hazy pale should be right so that was the starting point of brewing and this is i mean we went through quite a few iterations of brewing this to try and it was much harder to brew and get right than i bet it was yeah i don't doubt that for a moment yeah so trying to get a haze that sticks i know haze you don't want to start a beer with 
haze being a predominant thing that should be a byproduct of your process not uh but we wanted it to taste like a hazy pearl we wanted that mouthfeel yep as yep. well as that big fruity hoppy burst from it as well yeah and so so that's where we went really and it, it's you know i'm very pleased with it we dry hop it quite substantially with the citra and simcoe right there is a lot of hops that go into it and... yeah i do have to tell you um a, a brewer last week who i won't name um, when we were talking, we got onto the subject of alcohol free beer. It's a waste of hops, you know. And I do, I can kind of, I, I, I have some, some sympathy with that perspective. But I'm not suggesting this beer is a waste of hops. I'm sure some of them are, but this, I think, I can really taste them in this beer. So, uh, yeah, it's uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, <laughs> it's a, it depends. Yeah, your view on alcohol free beer can vary. I mean, it's, I think it fulfills, yeah, especially if you can feel part of a group if you're going out for a That's meal it, in a restaurant. Yeah. Which is where we, to be honest, a lot of our sales come from restaurants. Good, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and just pubs, the driver of, if you're driving a bunch of guys or, you know, a bunch to a pub or whatever, you know, you feel part of the group. Whereas if you're drinking, you know, ginger beer or whatnot, which is really nice, but it's super sweet. And you have well, that's it. You can't, yeah, you can't have more than one, can you? Or at least you shouldn't probably, but, you know, just on the point of the calories and the sugar and whatever in, yeah. in, in, in most soft drinks. So, yeah, it does. Uh, and I think you it, always feel a bit out of the group. You feel, yeah, you know, you're not do. one of the people whereas you're drinking pints you know yeah. or a pint at least a couple of pints and yeah you can't tell from the face of it that you're not drinking no. alcohol but you can still drive home and you can still whatever and yeah so yeah really pleased i'm really pleased and it's this one like i said we launched 18 months ago with minimalish expectations and it's i think it's our biggest selling can now or that oh. and the lager but it's wow yeah this summer we've been bringing it all the time it's um which is like I said, it's great. It's like I said earlier about the lager sales. If you told me ten years ago that would be uh, brewing most, uh, some of our bigger sales would be alcohol-free, beer alcohol-free and lager. And lager. Yeah, that's right. It's not. <laughs> I mean, You're a disgrace to craft beer. Is what you are. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't do mean that. I don't mean it's no, accessible craft beer, and the thing is, it is accessible. And you're introducing, we get people, who've, and you yeah. get people who've never tried Citra or Simcoe, no. and they are trying it, and then they'll, and like I said, they're not teetotal people. They are then trying. You know, our Thundercloud, our Nipo, or yeah. you know, when we go back to doing limited batches, it's got. I think it's got a place. It and... does. It definitely does. Yeah. No, I understand that. Yes. Yeah, so so you, you just looped me back around nicely to a conversation I didn't finish before we got into talking about this beer, which is your um, your specials. How often are you brewing? You, you just referred there as though you're not doing them at all at the moment. There. Uh, to be honest, we haven't brewed any limited batches since March or April. Oh, I think. Wow. Okay. Um, to be honest, we've just been so busy. We've been yeah. just you know, relentlessly brewing sort of six days a week, non-stop. And even then we've been a bit short of beer. You know, we've just about scraped through this year. And, and is, is that because the tap room is, is selling so well or just, just you know, demand is from every avenue is uh, is crazy? No, volume-wise, it's not It's not the tap room. It's, it's pubs in corner already. It's local, bits of wholesale. I suppose it's just, yeah, it's the summer season, of course, isn't it? I yeah. suppose that, that will be very seasonal, that demand, at least significantly seasonal, yeah. Yeah, Cornwall is, a, and we are in a seasonal part of the world. It's one of those where half the year you want double the capacity, and half the year you want, you know, a quarter of it. Yeah, it's just it's it's the nature of us, you know, of, of being in Cornwall. But so we we just really haven't had the spare spare brewing capacity. We have bought the bits of kit to try and put together a bit of a sort of a five hundred liter brewery, so we can reintroduce them. Ah, right, um, yeah, yeah. But we haven't really had time to put it together yet. Right. Uh, so that's that's going to be an autumn project, and I was going to say, yeah. So you could see that coming back in sort of September or whatever once the, once the tourists have gone home. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's great for the tap room, and also just for me and Dave and the other people working in the brewery. I think that that yeah, it's I think fun. You, 
Of course it is. They, they, those, you know, both of those are important aspects. But yeah, uh, particularly I think from I mean, as much as I want to care about the mental health of your brew team, which of course I do, but you know, it, from a tap room perspective, yeah, those you know people come to a tap room expecting to to drink your repertoire, don't they? And not just your you know your session pails and whatever. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've got more than that on in the tap room, but you, you, you get the point. You know, I want to drink your I want to drink your double IPA and I want to drink your you know your interesting sours and your you know whatever else you do. And I guess those are the the beers that that you really can shine in your tap room because you're not trying to not trying to get them to be mainstream at all absolutely yeah and that's and it is really important we just haven't had enough of that this this summer season and and the other thing is obviously the product development side like we wouldn't have shore break without trying new things we wouldn't have our pink lemonade sour which you know yeah, it was sold really well <laughs> yeah that was great we haven't we've just run out of it <laughs> but things like that wouldn't have come along if we weren't doing the limited batches so you no. you know you run the risk of becoming a little bit stale i think if you don't you want to be pushing the boundaries of at least your boundaries yeah even if not yeah i'm not talking about the actual scientific boundaries of brewing necessarily but you want to be pushing your boundaries so that you can find your next your next beer your next new direction whatever it is yeah Uh, that makes that makes sense joe absolutely uh let's take a short break Bruiser is the UK's top-rated craft beer subscription service which connects you with 120 of the UK's best independent breweries and cideries. It's a unique model where each month you choose a brewery, they curate a box of their freshest brews and it gets delivered direct to you from the Brewery Cold Store. Prices start from as little as £29 per month including delivery and you can save £8 off your first box with the code TWICB. Head over to www.bruiser.beer to explore and support independent breweries like never before. I'm back with Joe from Firebrand for the second half of the show. Joe, at this stage every week, I like to have a bit of fun and put my guest on the spot and ask them to tell me what makes them different. What is it you're doing at Firebrand to stand out in the Southwest or UK craft beer scene? Yeah, that's fair. Yes, as you said, always a difficult one. Um, I, I, to be fair, I think it's where we sit in Cornwall. I think our sort of brand of accessible Cornish craft, so it's as I said earlier, sort of accessible beer. We're not doing 15% triple IPAs. Right. But we are at that craftier end of, the, of that accessible beer. So brown beers that you can drink two or three of, um, but they do push, or hopefully push your taste buds. They push the flavours a bit further than you might expect from a, a corner brewery like that. And that's, and yes, and then obviously with the tap room, we put a lot of live music and all that sort of thing on, which yeah. is very different from from people around us. Yeah, I think those are good differentiators. Yeah, I think there's definitely room for a real spectrum of different brewers in in craft beer, aren't there? It wouldn't do for everybody to be brewing the same Imperial Stouts and and Triple IPAs, as you said. I think, you know, there's definitely a place for people putting a, you know, a crafty spin on modern beer styles. There's definitely a place for people brewing more session strength and, and accessible beers. And there's definitely a place for people brewing at the extreme end of the spectrum, which is, you know, might be the place that I kind of gravitate towards, but, you know, it doesn't mean it's for everybody. And so, you know, I, I really recognise and respect that, that that's, uh, it's important for people to fill all of those uh, yeah. sections of the of the spectrum. And you're probably doing a more important job than than many, in a sense, as you said earlier, you're trying to bring people into craft beer, um, you know, and the people drinking your AF beer this week will be the people hopefully drinking your pale next month and they'll be drinking verdant dippers and tippers you know in a couple of months time so it's all it's all good isn't it <laughs> yeah definitely definitely i mean to be fair hopefully like i said earlier when we get the limited batch is it back and running we can brew some of those extreme beers ourselves because yeah no, they, are great, so. they are great fun to brew i do you know and, and drink you know obviously um 
you know, in moderation. In, well, yes, I mean, we have to really. We've nearly sold out of our barrel aged imperial stout just before the new duty came in, so that was quite handy. Well, that would have, indeed, yeah, that's right. That would have been an extra 10 quid a case or whatever that's going to be. Yeah, because um, yeah, I mean, we had quite a bit of barrel aging going on last year, but we've uh, nearly run out of all of those. But got nothing in barrel at all now. No, I mean, I've got the rack, so I'm going to get some more in, and we are going to do it. I love barrel aged beers. Mm. It's, um, well, I love all beer, really, to be oh, fair. It's not much I, of a... <laughs> I, I think barrel aging is so fascinating. Yeah, I think it's definitely the it's the high art of craft beer, in my opinion. I love I love every uh, just the unpredictability of it. It just just amazes me that you know what what you put in and what comes out can be so different. But but yeah, yeah, definitely so, one of the I'm... one of the early wild beer beers was one that really got me into it. Was it Modus Operandi, maybe or something? Yeah, but like a barrel aged Old Ale. And this, mm. uh, this is a long time ago now, but absolutely loved it. Um, and funny, I bought bottles next year and I didn't like it anywhere near so much, but it didn't oh. taste, but it was interesting because it was the same beer. Like, it yeah, was just, of course. Yeah. yeah and it was just interesting. It was, uh, you know, really, really got me into it then. And that was um, actually quite a long time, 10 years ago now, probably. Yeah. No, I dare say. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I'm happy with that. Let's move on and talk about the second beer which I've uh, opened and getting cracked into. This is Patchwork Rocket, which is your 4% pale, and the tasting notes for this say fresh and resinous. This hazy pale is full of palate-pleasing mango, citrus, and pine flavours, loaded with citra, Apollo, and mosaic. The beer is bright and floral with a smooth, clean bitterness. Yeah, it is a nice... Um, you know, you wouldn't say this was um, a New England pale. It's more bitter than that but it's got nice fruit flavors to it you know it's, it's certainly got the got the, the the tropical and the citrus going on and uh and the floral note as well i guess that's from the I, i'm not really very familiar with apollo as a hot but i imagine that's is that bringing the floral um uh, yeah yeah it is i mean it's Apollo's not one many people use we've had real no. problems getting it actually this year as, as our usage has gone up a bit yeah i mean patrick's sort of the mainstay of our cask side of it really it's our biggest seller in cask oh is that right yeah I, could, I could, yeah now that you said that i could definitely you know i could imagine how this tastes in cask and i bet it's delicious yeah i mean it's super light refreshing mm. you know it's got that sort of floral you know resinous side of it and i think it's it's sort of like i was talking earlier it's it's sort of like other cask parallels but it's just a bit further on a bit a bit zestier a bit hoppier yeah um yep. And yeah, and on us uh, when we get sunny days again, it's uh, yeah, absolutely if, if. <laughs> yeah, and I think it really suits that format. Yeah, and... no, I bet this is absolutely storming on cask. I can just imagine, yeah. And so, so, so this is so it'd be your biggest selling cask beer. Yeah, it's how it's been a biggest seller. Well, we launched it as a well, it supposed to be a limited batch sort of cask a couple of years ago, and then it, we sort of quite quickly made it a permanent one. Um, right. yeah, it's, it's been the sort of mainstay, but. West Coast Session IPA is sort of catching up now. Okay. Uh, but there are big two sellers between them. Right. On cask, and they, they really lead the way for us. So it's, yeah, it's great. And it's great that they are interesting beers to try as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Yeah. And how, you know, how how much access to, to pubs is, can you get in Cornwall? Is it not all sort of nailed down to St. Orson and whatever? You know, are there a fair number of free houses to, to get your beers into? Uh, there's a fair number. I mean, there are, as you say, St. Austin have a huge chunk of them. There's hundred and whatever they've got. Yeah. But there is, you know, there is a fair amount of free houses sort of dotted around, and they tend to be quite big pubs as well. Right. Um, and, yeah, we've we've had some really good customers this year come on board. Nice. And, um, and, they've, and they've kept, that's the thing, it's stuck, and that's what's really 
really nice from a from a brewer's point of view. They haven't yeah. just had a cask and bounced off and then had another one in a month's time. They've kept it on and that's nice. Yeah. Well with the locals and all the rest of it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Good to hear. All right. Excellent. So let's pivot and have a chat about festivals and events then, Joe. So uh, obviously we're getting late in the summer now, but have you still got any more festivals or events in the calendar you want to talk about? Uh, we haven't got much going. We sort of we were very spring spring heavy with our events. Um, right. We haven't got a huge amount coming up. We're going to put some more in next year for this time of year because we've actually found we were so hectic in the spring. Right. We had so many events going on, and now we're sort of we're busier than we ever have been actually. But we're actually feeling like we've got some spare time because we haven't okay. got these events. So yeah. So we're, set so we're going to um. We're in that for next year by putting a load of events in this time of year as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got, yeah, so we've got lots of something. Like I said, we have gigs on at the brewery. So we've got a gig on next week. Got gigs right through. Oktoberfest was quite big for us at the brewery last year. Okay. So you're and doing that again this year? So we'll do that again this year. We've got a lager and vessel for that. And right. Sort of a different one, a special limited batch for that. And we do it sort of all sorts, really. Uh, we've got events like that. And then we'll do a few Christmas markets and then basically hold on till next spring and how frequently would you have uh, live music in the town uh we try twice a month oh great so we tend so we tend to have something acoustic-y up in the tap room itself once a month uh basically without drums yeah and then we uh once a month try and move so we can move our mash channel side and basically create a venue down in the brewery itself okay and then have sort of a bigger band louder band in there once a month right and cool. and then sort of once or twice a year, we've got a big sort of car park area out the back or out the front. Sorry, should I say? And yeah. to have a much bigger ticketed gig out the front. So all the gigs oh, we great. do inside are free, basically. And then yeah. once or twice a year, we'll have a big, big one outside. So like oh, last great. year we had Pitchin Detectives, um, yeah. really good indie band. Terrific. Yeah, really big indie, good indie band. So we had them here. We had Dog McRae this year, who are really big locally, sort of. Nice. Funky folks sort of band. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And you got no issues with neighbours or whatever to object to that sort of thing? No, no, really. We get on pretty well with the neighbours. And we're because obviously we're on an industrial estate, so we're fair. We still manage to get noise complaints each time. Oh, of course, you're, not, yeah. you're not a proper venue if you don't get a noise complaint. That's no, that's a... right. You didn't, have it, <laughs> didn't have it turned up loud enough. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to put one in myself if we didn't get one. So, yeah, there's... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Good. Oh, well, that sounds good. And um, do you do other quizzes and comedy nights and other sort of stuff in the tavern as well or is it just mostly music yeah. no yeah we do other bits we do we try and do a quiz every month we do yeah. comedy every three months we've got a like a really good local compare he sorts that out and you know he wants to keep the quality of his acts up so we can't do more than that um right yeah yeah we're experimenting a bit with using it as another venue as well sort of getting speakers in nice yeah. seeing how that goes just yeah. just sort of using it as a venue um, yeah just yeah bums on seats buying beer so it's the name of the game isn't it Exactly that, I and mean, we've had someone come and do fitness groups in the in the tap room on a Friday morning. And it's great. <laughs> and obviously, we're selling no booze at that point, but obviously, they look at our event board. They look at the of course they do. Tap. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just getting lo- local awareness, isn't it, to the fact that you're there, and uh, yeah, hopefully they'll be back Friday night. Yeah, yeah, as much as it can be like a community space, I think it's really important if you can. Yeah, oh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. What do you got coming up beer release wise, uh, Joe? I mean, you've, you've, you know, obviously we've spoken about the the fact that you know you've not got much in the way of specials happening just now, but you've got you know you you basically just got the got the the eight or ten core beers on the rotation what, monthly or well, well every every week we're brewing sort of the lager we're doing sort of almost 
you know, I guess sort of four brews every three weeks, if you see what I yeah. mean. So pretty yeah. much two a week. Patchwork on West Coast, we're brewing every week. Yeah. And then it's sort of the other ones on rotation, really. Yeah. And we are, we are going to reintroduce... Yeah. And like I said a, a little bit earlier about sort of introducing sort of some new beers for next year, we're going to start doing the trial brews for those quite soon. So a new pale right. ale and a new IPA. And, yeah. and that will start giving us something new for the tap room as well. Start, yeah, popping up as test batches in the tap room to start with and uh, see, see how they go over. But I guess you've not, got, you've not got the kit to brew anything less than your, your 2,000 litres, have you, at the moment? Or? Uh, not at the moment, not without, you know, we could do 1,000 litres on that kit. But at the moment, to be honest, we need the capacity. We, we're, we're selling it all. So we need, we can't take out a 2,000 litre brew of something, you know, of West Coast or Patchwork no. and brew, you no. know, and mess around too much. Um, no. But then it is quite, you know, there's only two or three weeks left of the season, really. So it, I mean, it'll still be busy in September, but it, it's sort of the stress comes out of it. A little yeah, bit. once the, not... once the schools go back, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's the pressure's it's, off. It's another three weeks yeah. or so. It's, it's suddenly you know, you're not quite needing all six brews per week of your cores. You can sort of start sneaking in other bits and pieces. And like I say, we'll get a bit of time to hopefully get this sort of much smaller kit off the ground as well. Right, you got all the bits there. We just need plumbing in and commissioning and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, I saved some bit when we sold all the old brewery. I kept a couple of little fermenters. Okay. And we've got a few bits and pieces, and we're all pretty handy. We can build it. We just need just a couple of days. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A couple of days with the inclination and time and all the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Excellent. Um, so, where's the best place for people to get their hands on some firebrand beers? Uh, well, if you're out of county, then pretty much the website is going to be your best bet. Yep. We do sell to wholesalers and bits and pieces. We sell quite a lot through Thoughtful, the gifting company. But yep. out of county, the website's going to be your best. But in county, I mean, head to a pub and ask them a free house, and hopefully they'll have it. Yeah, um, they don't. They know where to come to get it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But we are in a, in, in a fair percentage, a, a fairly high percentage of free houses in Cornwall. Right. Good. And it is, it is mostly Cornwall, not, you know, we do a little bit in Devon, but we yep. are quite at least localised to Cornwall. Yes. Um. Or, of course, you know, our tap room's only, what, a minute off the A30 if you're coming into Cornwall. So Good to you know. can always pop in yeah. uh, on your way to, on your way west. Yep. There is a, still a little bit west of you, isn't there? Well, yeah, well, we're right on the border. So we're we're only a mile from the or two from the Devon border. Oh, so of course you, you are. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, lots you, less, there's lots west of you. And, in fact, there must be you know, tens of thousands of holidaymakers passing within uh, a mile of your tap room every day. Yeah, we've had the conversation many times how to get get them off. <laughs> hey, you can get some signage. You need you need to get a relationship with a local farmer who will let you put up a billboard on the edge of his field for a few hundred quid. That's what you need to do. That, that is what I need to do. Is I need to go and charm charm a local farmer. Yeah. And you know, I need to, to do that. But you know, be negotiable, wouldn't it? Because you know, you can figure out who owns the, you know the farm either side of the road, and you know, and you can start negotiating. And if one wants five hundred, the bloke next door might do it for four, and the one up the road will do it for three, and you eventually you get down to a reasonable price. <laughs> Yeah, one that yeah. It doesn't need to be right on the junction. It doesn't need to be right on the junction. It can be, you know, turn right in a mile and a half for craft beer or whatever, you know. So <laughs> that's yeah. what I need to do is find out who owns the fields down the A30. But yeah, yes. We'll right. add that to the winter project list. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, that's that one that's one problem solved anyway, Joe. I'm pleased about that. All right, look, let's get into the home straight, Joe. And at this stage every week, I ask the guests to do what I call a shout out to a little guy. And here I'm looking for you to name one or more local to you beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting not just Firebrand, but in, independent craft beer in general. 
So that can be another brewery, a tap room, a pub, a bottle shop, uh, even a restaurant or a cafe. But somebody you think is doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. A couple spring to mind. You got um, the Red Elephant beer seller down in Truro, uh-huh. which is a great little independent shop yep. right in Truro there. And they also, you know, all I think all the Cornish breweries, but also all sorts of interesting beer from out of county as well, and all sorts nice. do a great job of promoting craft beer in general. Fantastic. And then a bit nearer to us, up in up in Bude, you got the Barrel, which is a proper little micro pub in a quirky little building. Nice. And I think it's possibly just open weekends or you know Wednesday to Sunday maybe. Okay. And they do. Great little range of beers. Um, obviously, ours are in the rotation, but all, you know, all the interesting Cornish sort of love those little micro pubs. Yeah, we we need more of those. In fact, we need one on every high street, at least one. Absolutely. I thought that was going to be a few years ago. It all seems well, to be. Well, I know. I, I don't it's... understand why that hasn't happened. There's no shortage of empty empty shop fronts. We just uh, it must be licensing issues. I think, but uh, yeah, quite quite possibly. Yeah, but the about yeah the Baron and Beard, another great little place, definitely brilliant. All right, two good shouts. Thanks for that. I'm sure next time, you know, when people have had their fill of your uh, of your taproom beers, they'll they'll seek those out. All right, then, Joe, we are at the wrap up question, and here I need to know from you what would be your ultimate happy hour. Three parts of this question: I need to know where you would be, who you would be with, and most specifically, what beer you would be drinking. And one proviso is the beer doesn't need to naturally match the venue so it you know you could for example choose to be on a desert island beach for example somewhere and uh, bring the beer with you for the purposes of this happy hour so um given that flexibility uh, what would be your answer oh i don't know probably something fairly dull but definitely a beach it's gotta be a beach i think gotta be by the sea <laughs> um yeah some kind of hazy ipa Going to need to press you a bit more on that. Uh, I'll, I'll let you off with a generic beach. I'm not going to settle for a, some kind of hazy IPA. It's going to have to be a specific uh, beer. Or at least a specific. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you off with a specific brewery. It doesn't have to. Uh, it, but uh, well, ours obviously. That would have to be. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be, but it can be. Yeah, well, something like our thundercloud. You know, five and a half percent hazy IPA, citra mosaic, that sort of thing. Nice. That's um, yeah, absolutely, and. Who with? I don't know. My wife would probably kill me if it wasn't her. So no, probably just to keep the peace. I think that's a fair shout. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then no one's going to spill the beer either. So that's a win. Yep. Doesn't matter if you do spill it on the beach, does it? No. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm happy with that. Makes sense. Very good then, Joe. Been a pleasure chatting to you. Uh, I don't get to drink your beers very often, but I've enjoyed the two that I've had this evening. And uh, I've also got a couple more in the fridge. So thanks for sending those up. Definitely the next time I'm down your way, I will try and pop in. But anyway, in the meantime, Joe, absolute pleasure chatting to you. It's brilliant to hear a brewery that's thriving to the extent that you are. Um, You know, a lot of people I speak to are doing well, but I don't think I've spoken to anybody that, that sounds as though they're, you know, maxed out quite to the extent that you are. So that's fantastic to hear. And, uh, you know, May that continue for years to come. It sounds like you're, you know, you're onto a good thing there, and uh, it's great to hear. Absolutely. But in the meantime, yeah. I will look forward to speaking to you again soon. Cool, you too. Hopefully, see you in October. Brilliant. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please tell your drinking friends and leave us a review in your podcast app, as it really helps others discover the show. And of course, if you'd like to help support us and save money in the process, then please head over to www.thisweekincraft.beer and become a member today for just £1.99 a month and get access to exclusive savings at the top UK craft breweries. 